Well, it's good to be here with you again today. And we're continuing our series on the book of Proverbs. And uh, I was given for today the subject of friendship. Now, can I confess something to you? I was a bit disappointed in the topic. That was before I started to study what the Bible said about friendship. I thought, what, what is there in the scriptures about friendship that we don't already know? We as Christians are surely, uh, we're experts, aren't we, on friendship. We know how to be a good friend and we know how to build good friendships. But as I began to study the characteristics or the qualities of friendship in the scriptures, both in Proverbs and in other parts of the scriptures, I began to realise something I had never realised before. Isn't it good when God shows you something that's fresh and new? I realised that the characteristics or the qualifications of friendship, according to the Bible, are the same qualifications and, uh, and characteristics of love, particularly as expressed in 1 Corinthians 13. And they're the same characteristics of grace. So love and grace and friendship all mean the same thing. So when God, when the Bible describes Abraham as the friend of God, He's saying here is one to whom grace has been extended and through whom grace will be extended. He's saying here is one whom I love and one who loves me enough to obey me. He's a friend, he's loved and he's one to whom grace is extended. And then when I thought about Jesus' words, Jesus said, I no longer will call you servants, but I call you friends. You are my friends because you do whatever I ask. And again, the same thought. The same thought. You're my friends because you're the objects of my grace. You've received my grace. You're being transformed by my grace. You're you're my friends because you're the objects of my love, my never-ending, unconditional love and you are also the reflectors of that love in the world. So I got a bit excited about friendship and then I turned to Proverbs um, because that's where we're studying from this morning and I began to see that there were some wonderful passages of Scripture in Proverbs that we need to look at today. The only trouble is, I've lost them. Sorry about that. Have I left them down there somewhere? Okay, we'll do it from memory. Up there? They've got to be here. Here they are. Here they are. I was having a man look. <laughs> and we all know that's not very good. 
The first proverb that I wanted to look at is Proverbs 18 and 24. Proverbs 18 and 24. So if you have your Bibles, let's do this together. Proverbs 18 24. And the proverb says this. Some friendships do not last, but some friends are more loyal than a brother. Now, some of your translations will say something a little bit different to that, but, but let me read that again. Some friendships do not last, but some friends are more loyal than a brother. Now, we, we know that this proverb is true if we're thinking about friendships in, a, in the sense of having a friend. As we look back on our lives, we can see some friendships that began but then as things got more difficult or as differences arose or maybe distance was created, those friendships disappeared and uh, they didn't last. Perhaps lasted for a year or two, but they didn't last beyond that. But, says the proverb, some friends are closer than a brother. That is that they are permanent, they are close, They have a level of intimacy about them. And it raises a very, it raises other words that we can think of in relation to this proverb. Words like faithful and dependable and trustworthy. That when we have a friend who is faithful and dependable and trustworthy and loyal, then that friendship lasts for a long, long time. But take those characteristics and apply them to friendship not as a noun but as an action. That friendship is the display of loyalty. Friendship is a display of faithfulness. Friendship is the outworking of dependability and trustworthiness. Say, well, how can, how can we as ordinary, fallible human beings be all those things? Well, the reason we can be those things is because that is what God is like. That is what we experience in our relationship with God. We, we experience God's loyalty. There's a beautiful verse in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 that says, He is the faithful God. He is the faithful God. He, he never changes. There's another verse in, in 1 Kings chapter 8 that says, You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to those who walk wholeheartedly before you. Isn't it interesting that, that this concept of faithfulness is linked to God being a covenant God and that we are living in a covenant with God and we are very, very confident of his faithfulness and his loyalty. In fact, every day, brothers and sisters, without you even thinking about it, you are a recipient of that faithfulness 
Not just when you've got a need, not just when you're crying out to God for something and say, well, God is faithful, God will provide it. He is always faithful. Every moment of every day, the covenant that he's made with you and that he's sealed with the blood of Jesus, that covenant will never and can never be broken. God can never break a covenant that he's made with his people. And it's interesting to think of friendship as being one of the expressions of a people who live under a covenant. You know, sometimes we just think about friendship in terms of a person. Like we we make a friend. Friends are important. But I want to tell you today that friendship is what we as Christians are called to reflect to the world, to each other and to the world. That this loyalty, that this faithfulness, that this dependability that this trustworthiness should mark who we are as the people of God. We should be the safest people on earth. Do you understand that? Because we, we experience that from God and it's not beyond our ability, God given ability, to reflect that to the people in our lives. Friendship is the quality that makes a marriage rich. And when I speak about my wife as my friend, I'm not just simply saying that that we've got a lot in common and we do a lot of things together and and we spend a lot of years together. I'm talking about what flows between us. Loyalty, faithfulness, dependability, trustworthiness. There is no relationship without that flowing. Do you understand that? It flows from God and it must flow from us to each other. It's a powerful thing. It's love in action. It's grace in action. It should be seen in our marriages. It should be seen flowing from parents to children. Children should receive not just discipline from us, not just hear the words, we love you, but they should experience the characteristics of friendship, faithfulness, loyalty, dependability, trustworthiness. We are living in a, in a time when many, many children in our schools and in our communities don't have that experience. They have parents, but there is brokenness in the family and because there is brokenness in the family, those, those characteristics of friendship which should make them safe and secure have disappeared. Well, the second proverb I want you to look at is in uh, in chapter, um, sorry, chapter seventeen, verse nine. Proverbs seventeen, verse nine. And this this proverb says this: 
A single a love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. So the second characteristic of friendship is that it avoids hurting others. If you want people to like you, says another version, forgive them when they wrong you, remembering that wrongs break up friendship. And when we think about this proverb, other words like forgiveness, acceptance, patience, non-judgmentalism come, don't they? That's what's happening when I extend friendship to somebody. I'm saying, if you wrong me, I will forgive you. If you do something I don't approve of, I will not judge you or condemn you. If you test my patience, I will be patient with you. That, that, they're the characteristics of love. They're the characteristics of friendship. And they're the things that we receive from God every day. Let me show you that. Forgiveness is something that we receive from God every day. Right? Now, you may think that there are some days in your life when you don't do anything that requires forgiveness. Well, I'd love to meet you later because that's the sort of person I would like to be. But as I measure myself up against God, I just fall short all the time. But, but the thing that encourages me, the thing that fills me with joy, is his love is just flowing, flowing to me all the time. He says, if, if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. It, it's happening to me all the time. And the Bible tells me that because it's happening, because he's forgiving me, I have the capacity to forgive others. Forgive one another, the Bible says, as God in Christ has forgiven you. And, and we become reflectors of that love. And so when somebody hurts us, it may not be our first, our first instinct to forgive them. Our first instinct might be, I'm going to give that person a piece of my mind. But the second instinct should be to say, as God has forgiven me, so I forgive them. Now I want to say something, I'm not preaching about forgiveness today so much, but I do want to say something that is always on my heart. Forgiveness of others for a Christian is not an optional extra. We cannot reflect who Jesus is without forgiving others. It's not possible. You can talk about Jesus for your whole life. You can go to church every Sunday. You can witness to your neighbours. But I want to tell you this, there is one thing that declares God more powerfully, more meaningfully than anything else and that is your capacity to forgive other people. Now I know from 40 years of counselling I have heard hundreds of people say to me forgiveness is too hard. 
Many of those people who've said that are Christian people. They say, it's too hard. And my answer is, no, it's hard. It's very hard. But for you who have received God's forgiveness, it's not too hard. It won't be your first instinct. It won't be the thing that you feel straight away, oh, I've been hurt, oh, oh, this is wonderful, it's an opportunity to forgive somebody. You just don't think like that. But it's got to be the choice you make because you are about passing on God's friendship, God's grace, God's love to the world. Do you understand that? Just really important to get hold of that. And then the third proverb that I want you to look at, we're going to look at five, so we're up to number three. The third proverb is 17.17. 17. And uh, this is also a great verse. And it says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Or some of your versions will say, Friends always show their love. What are brothers for if not to share in our troubles? And there are some other words that suggest themselves to us with this proverb. They're words like attentiveness, understanding, sensitivity, good listening. When we're extending friendship in whatever, whatever context, whether it be in a marriage, in a family, in a church, in a community, in the workplace, it's about recognising that another person's pain is the opportunity for us to be Christ to them. I remember being very deeply impressed when I was a little boy and I was on my grandfather's farm and we were travelling along the road with a horse and dray I was a little boy a very long time ago and his dogs were running around the dray barking and having a good time when a truck there were trucks at that time too a truck came along the road and hit one of the dogs, Teddy. I remember his name. And Teddy went down on the ground, yelping with pain. And all the other dogs, who were his friends, attacked him. They all jumped on him and started to bite him and tear at him. And as a little boy that made a huge impact on me. I hadn't even started school and, and I hadn't been out in the world but it seemed to me so wrong that friends should attack another. But I want to tell you that as a little boy who was, as I said last week, abused and then went out into the world 
amongst other kids and was bullied by other kids, I often used to think of Teddy. And I often used to think, that's just what happens. Humans are just the same as dogs. Now, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? But that's what I thought. But as I've grown up, I've seen it again and again and again. Someone lives in the community as a broken person and instead of responding to their pain, we add to their pain. We isolate them. We reject them. We treat them as different because because they're not like us. We don't attack them physically perhaps, but we attack them in other ways. And that's the opposite to friendship. Friendship is about that sensitivity that responds to the pain in people's lives. Julie and I have the privilege of coaching a little church down in the country and we're seeing God do some really lovely things there. But what that little church has got that very few churches have got is a capacity to welcome into its fellowship broken and wounded people. And half of the congregation are people who would not be welcome in some churches that I know. People with mental health problems, people with uh, very low intellectual capacities and the church just welcomes them in, just loves on them. And to me that, that is a, the demonstration of friendship that we should find in every community and in every Christian's heart. I was impressed some years ago and you've all heard about this, this is not, not new news but, but when people were getting very concerned about the uh, schoolies weekends in the, on the Gold Coast they were very concerned about what was happening there a group of Christians got together and formed a group called the Red Frogs I think was it red or green? Red Red Frogs they didn't go up and, and condemn the kids for, for drinking and for taking drugs they didn't stand back and say what, what's the world coming to they went with bottles of water and Red Frogs and they provided support for them. And when kids were too drunk, they would take them and put them in a place where they could be rested, where they could sleep and be safe. It wasn't motivated by judgment or condemnation. It was motivated by, by, the, by the desire to demonstrate friendship, love. I heard of, of some people who, who came to the Lord because as they woke from their drunken stupor they were surrounded by people who had saved their lives just because they loved them. Sensitivity is so important when we're extending friendship to the world and to people being sensitive to what lies behind 
people's behaviours, sensitive to, behind the things that, that lie behind their attitudes. This, this consistency, this, this always being the same is such an important thing, isn't it, in God's character. Isn't it wonderful that we know that God is always the same? I don't know whether you have people in your life that change a fair bit and you're never quite sure what they're going to be like on any particular day and you walk on eggshells and you sort of are very tentative about how you start the conversation. Well, well, I'm so glad that God is the, the most consistent place for me and person for me in my life. He is the same to yesterday, today and forever. Or as Malachi says, uh, has God saying, I am the Lord, I do not change. And uh, that, that means that he is always loving. He is always forgiving. And then the, the fourth uh, proverb I'd like you to look at is Proverb 27 and verse Proverbs 27, sorry, 27 verse 17. This is a great proverb too, one that uh, I was very touched by when I read it. It says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And the words that come to me around that proverb are words like example, imitator, Humility. That isn't it wonderful to have somebody who invests in us by saying, in effect, you can imitate me. Uh, I don't know whether I mentioned this last week, but in January, Julia and I uh, travelled down memory lane and we went and visited churches that we had been significant to us. Did I mention that last time? And, and we went to one church where I went 56 years ago to be the pastor and went to another church where Julie went uh, 60 years ago to be the organist and the Sunday school teacher and part of that church. But we went to this church where I'd been the pastor 56 years ago. I was 19 years of age when I went to be the pastor of this church uh, and I'd been a Christian for two years. I knew about Jesus but I had absolutely no understanding of how churches work or how you lead a church. I had been in a church that didn't have a pastor. They had lay preachers. I had never seen a pastor at work. Uh, the first funeral I ever took was the first funeral I'd ever been to. So I was about as green as they come. <laughs> and and there, were, there were a number of people, but there were two ladies in particular who invested in me. One of them was a lady that I now know um, because I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. I now know was 34 and she was the church organist and as well as being the organist she was very busy having children. She ended up with nine. Um, husband loved cricket and 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 uh, she, she, she and this other lady who was the relief organist and you can imagine she was relieving fairly often because the other one was having babies and, and they invested in me. They taught me 
everything that I needed to know to, to at least look like a pastor. And I've, I've thought about that. I've thought about that often because wouldn't it have been easy for them to have said and, and the whole church to have said, why have they sent us this kid? No wonder our church is, going, is small. We need somebody with maturity. Somebody who's had 10 years experience. Not a kid, but they invested in me. So that, that in January, 56 years later, I was able to, we were able to go back and talk about having been in ministry all that long. But the wonderful thing about it is that this 34-year-old lady was still alive at 90. And we went and visited her because she wasn't well enough to go to church and, and we sat and she talked to, to us. She talked about me baptising her and her husband and some of her children. She talked about the things that we did together. This was the lady who had invested in my life. And it was so good to be able to tell her that. A few, a few days later, we received an email and the email said, since your visit, mum's health has gone downhill and she's only got 24 hours to live. But before she went into unconsciousness, she asked us to ask you to come and bury her, do the funeral. A great story. You know, the first path that we might choose sometimes is to be critical or to think about ourselves or to think about the consequences that, that we can see in our minds. But, but the truth is if we stop and wait to hear what God says, he's going to lead us down a different path. That's what the scripture said that we had read to us uh, this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. There are always two paths, isn't there? These ladies had two paths they could have taken. One was to be disappointed and angry that this bloke, uh, this kid had come to be their pastor. The other path was to stop and wait to hear what God said. And what God said was, I've sent him here for you to train him and to bless him. That's what he said. And they heard it. They did it. Sometimes when you're faced with a choice, when we're faced with a choice, all of us will we'll, we'll gravitate toward what makes sense. We gravitate toward the most logical choice, the logical decision. We use our experience and we say, well, we've been around a long time and this is the way it's always done. But it's a good thing to stop and say, wait a minute, 
Let's put that aside for a moment. Now let's wait on God and see what he says. So in this context of God and us being friends, not servants, in the context of friendship being the same as mercy and grace and love, we we go to God and he gives us his choice. Now sometimes God's option doesn't seem to be as logical and as rational as ours. For our way seems right and God's way sometimes seems too risky. But God's path is the right path and we need to embrace it with courage and with faith. When we come to church on a Sunday morning we come to worship God. But sometimes it's apparent in some churches and I don't know about this one because I don't know it really well. Probably this is not true here but in some churches people go too to spend time with their friends because their understanding of friendship is a more exclusive understanding. So I have good friends and I go and spend some time with them. The problem with that is that what God intended to be inclusive and wide-ranging so that it embraces the stranger and embraces the person who's hanging back, that tends often in churches not to happen. It was quite, quite revealing to go on a trip around Australia two years ago and, and just to drop into churches just as the, as, as the tourist as the visitor and find if we didn't initiate contact with the people in that church no one would have done it no one you know in reality because they didn't know who we were because we could have had heavy hearts we could have been strangers from the town who had just come looking for love and looking for meaning in life there should have been a queue of people extending what friendship is. It's not, we'll love you if we know you, we'll love you if we like you, we'll love you if you're like us, but we love you because we're loved by God. We extend friendship because we experience God's friendship. You are my friends. And then he extended that even further and said, you are my sons. And the Bible says we are the sons of God and the daughters of God and heirs with Christ. This friendship goes deeper and deeper and deeper all the time. 
And it's not based on us deserving it. I don't even deserve to be God's servant, let alone his friend, let alone his son. Let alone being a joint heir of all the, the, the treasures of heaven. It's all about mercy extended without deserving it. Friendship. So you can see, can you not, why I got really excited when I started to study that. Why don't you go home and, and, and start studying it too? Because, because maybe instead of looking for a ministry, we should spend our lives doing what we already have. The friendship of God to offer to the world. Let's pray. Our Father, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the reminders in your word. We want to be imitators of God, imitators of you like dear children. We want to take hold of everything you are to us and reflect it to the world in which we live. We want to do it because what we have is so precious, so life-changing, so transforming. And we long to see others impacted by it too. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.